0: From Sacramento, the Bishop's Radio Hour with Bob Dunning, focusing on today's issues in the context of gospel values. Now, here's Bob Dunning on Relevant Radio.
1: That's me. Welcome to you on this beautiful day the Lord has made. Appreciate you all being with us on the Bishop's Hour as we uh, are moving into our 24th year on the air. And thanks to everyone who has helped us along the way, our great guests, our great uh, underwriters, our our Bishop. Jaime Soto, and, of course, the the founder, uh, Bishop Wiegand, uh, with great help from Father Sylvester McDermott and Monsignor uh, James Murphy. And, of course, uh, you, the listeners, have been so important. That's why we have this show. So appreciate everybody. This is indeed the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And we're rejoicing and glad because Father Michael Kiernan is on the other end of the phone line. Father, good day to you.
2: Well, good day to you, uh, Bob, and to all our listeners here today. And, you know, before we go and do a thing more, I would like to, uh, to mention Monsignor Murphy there. If you all haven't got your hands on his uh, book, yes. Beauty and Horror in the Concentration Camp, uh, you, you really would, uh, what a wonderful thing it would be in this Lenten time that we're celebrating now uh, to be, uh, uh, to read that. Uh, it would be both... Uh, in a sense, uh, a painful thing, of course, uh, because of what happened to her, and also well covered in that book is uh, Sister uh, Teresa Benedict of the Cross, Edith Stein. He covers her beautifully, and uh, Monsignor writes with such uh, weakness and beauty and clarity and creativity as the short little the book of 126 pages with a beautiful picture of uh, Eddie he on the front. So I encourage you to look at that. It might be a Lenten experience for you and uh, maybe have a lot of implications for our times now and uh, just an example of two holy women and a great Monsignor.
1: Yes, you know, this is the story of Eddie Hillesom and uh, what a a story it is how even as she was awaiting death in a concentration camp, uh, saw the beauty around her and it's just it's 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 a mind-boggling read it really is and uh, um and of course uh, it, it had a, uh, a testimonial from uh, rabbi Reuven Taff here in sacramento from the mosaic uh uh life congregation here in uh, sacramento and it recalls the day that uh, i remember when uh, uh, bishop Wiegand and and uh Rabbi Taff, um, actually, I think Bishop Wiegand spoke at the at the synagogue, and it, it just it, it, the the whole thing is uh, it, well. You, you put it so perfectly. the The book is is so it's so beautiful. It's very hard to read. She, of course, was murdered at at Auschwitz ultimately, but had been in a camp at Westerbork. and She's Dutch and uh, uh, was writing about. Behind the barbed wire, about the birds were singing, and the you know the sun was shining on her face, and that uh, she said, i I've, uh, th- these have been the, the most profound two months of my life." And it was just, it was just stunning to hear.
2: Yes, and and uh, so I just I'm um, glad we can mention that to our listeners today because gosh, uh, it just is such a a marvelous thing to. Uh, uh, Think about, and, of course, in these days of rise of anti-Semitism and mm-hmm. uh, so on. And also, we obviously uh, had on Ash Wednesday the reception of uh, uh, the ashes on our forehead and right. the famous statement, of course, uh, Remember, you are just, and unto dust you uh, shall return. I think one of the most beautiful uh, pieces in uh, that book by Monsignor Murphy was a comment that... Um, Eddie Hill from uh, made about not running away from suffering and death, and yep. in a way,
0: mm-hmm.
2: Lent helps us that uh, he said through non-acceptance and through not ha- and through having all those fears, most people are left with just a pitiful and mut- mut- mutilated slice of life, mm-hmm. which in- can hardly be called life at all. Uh, by excluding death from our life, we cannot live a full life, but by admitting death into our life we enlarge and enrich it. And I think that has a lot to say, uh, you know, the whole uh, thing of uh, uh, our Lent and our coming in touch with ourselves and our own mortality. And again, we're never morbid about this or morose about it. We uh, see it as a a holy way to look at life. And then, of course, uh, we know that uh, it ends up in resurrection in heaven. So... uh, Maybe that's what she was seeing a little bit ahead when she saw the birds and the beauty of nature and so on. Uh, she saw that as maybe a, a little uh, inkling of uh, the glories to come, and hopefully we can keep our eyes uh, on that through the suffering and the cross, and that's what leads to, uh, as it did for
0: Jesus, to
1: resurrection. Yeah, we were fortunate enough to have Monsignor Murphy on the, on the program to discuss the book, and... Uh, it just uh, what a, what a treasure he is for, to the diocese. His, his great uh, book on the Cristero War um, in in Mexico. Um, just a lot a lot of great work that he has done. Uh, and this one, this one was really um, it was just stunning uh, mm-hmm. to to read it. And uh, what what great great research he put into that book. And you know you mentioned Edith Stein and um, I remember, I, I, I believe it was the canonization, um, and there was a couple in Davis, my hometown, who were related to E.S. Stein and were invited to Rome mm. to to participate. And th- this is a, uh, you would probably know the date better than I do. It was a number of years ago. We had them on the program as well, and uh, it was very moving, a, a Jewish couple. And,
2: uh, yeah. Well, um, there's so many beautiful people here in our Jewish community, and I've been blessed to have close relationships with the the Jewish community throughout most of my life, and certainly when Bishop Wiegand shared at the uh, great event down in uh, uh, Good Shepherd Church there Mm -hmm. uh, three weeks ago, uh, we had
1: uh,
2: Rabbi Michael Bellenbaum uh, from the American Jewish University speak, but Bishop uh, Wiegand spoke about his experience, like to say, at the synagogue, and then when Rabbi Tap came to the cathedral, uh, reciprocating. So um, yes, we're blessed to have that, and good communication with uh, all our people here in Sacramento, our various uh, Christian denominations, and uh, other faiths.
1: Well, you've you've done a lot of interfaith work, haven't you?
2: I have, thank God. I've, uh, you know, I think I'm fairly familiar with uh, most all of the. Uh, Uh, Christian churches and also our friends in many different ones. Uh, uh, One of the things we have four times a year is what we call city city pastors meeting, and that the pastors from a variety of churches, uh, non denominational uh, to a great extent, but uh, many other mainline as well. And it's a huge uh, lunch gathering that we have. Uh, at a different church uh, over a period of time. And so uh, great experience to see uh, these men and women of faith and their various uh, denominations and in their various positions, uh, titles that they have, uh, with a great love for Jesus. And uh, the, one of the things that was very beautiful the other day was uh, uh, the Super Bowl, you know. Uh, right. We had uh, two things there. uh, uh Patrick Mahomes, whom I just have been so fond of for so long. that mm-hmm. uh, uh, this is a delightful young man. He almost seems like he's still 16 when you look at him.
1: Well he does, but, doesn't anyway,
2: he? Uh, he was saying about the wonderful thing of winning and so on. But he said, you know, I do it to give glory to God.
0: Exactly. And when
2: I got out there, he said, I never worry about it. You know, I'm just going out there to do my very best and to, of course, win the game, obviously. But uh, give glory to God. And he just kept coming back to that. He was a very strong. I believe, Evangelical uh, Christian. And then the kicker, of course, was the kicker, because he's a Catholic boy.
0: <laughs> right. And
2: so he kicked that thing uh, right through
0: uh,
2: uh, Christ in a row, actually. He won the game for them. Right. But he's a very devout uh, Catholic man. And so, um, you know, we hear things about religion today and faith dropping off from the nuns and so on. But uh, those who really are uh, aware of their faith, aware of Jesus they really, uh, in some ways, are almost stronger now than they ever were.
1: Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting. You, you mentioned Patrick Mahomes, the the quarterback for the Kansas City Chiefs, who won the Super Bowl for the second time in the last four years. And you, you're right. There's so so often in sports, and it's it's troubling to me. If somebody wins, and it's like this righteous crusade, it's like like nobody believed in us and we showed them and there's this anger and this, you know, um, and, and not, you don't see that with Patrick Mahomes. It's like, Hey, I'm out there. I'm, I'm playing a game that little boys and girls play. and, And I'm lucky to get paid millions of dollars to do it and make commercials and everything else. And, and I'm just so happy to be here, but it's all through the grace of God and, and I'm going to give him all the credit. And if we win, we win. And if we don't win, we don't win. You know, but you don't. You you see a smile on his face. You don't see this uh, sort of righteous anger uh, that, that that you uh, know well, we're, we're righting some well. wrong by by winning. We're getting revenge for some loss. You know, it's it's it's, it's very refreshing. Well, one of
2: the things a small scale, I suppose, nothing compared to Eddie Hillisom, but. Uh, But maybe tying in with uh, our legend experience we're going through now, he also suffers, he also goes through suffering in the sense that, you know, he probably, to a great extent, is all the time playing with some pain. It mightn't be as bad as it was for the last few weeks where he was uh, uh, going on one leg and uh, so on and so on. But the determination there to uh, play on through suffering, through pain, I think that could have some uh, help help for us in our own lives because... It may not be the suffering of a high ankle injury as he had, but it could be, of course, all of us have uh, something, whether it's a bad back or, (laughs) uh, you know, a variety of illnesses that people have, or even the circumstances of one's life, you know, where uh, you uh, financially have a hard time or lost your job or you have a difficult situation in your home uh, or whatever the situation would be. So there's no life that doesn't have, suffering in it, and, of course, uh, this is where Lent is so appropriate to uh, connect uh, with the sufferings of Christ and to unite ourselves uh, with uh, with Christ's suffering, and so even though it's small, in a way, like for Patrick Mahomes, and you say he makes a lot of money and all that, but still, he has to go out there, and, uh, you know, you can just see the pain in his face there when he limped off before half-time, right. but, again, uh, you've got to get out there and uh, make it happen. And I think in our own lives, that could be an example for us, uh, nothing like a great example of Christ, of course, but still uh, a little example of a day-to-day situation where, uh, well, no matter what's happening in my life, I'm going to get out there and serve the Lord and take care of my family and do my work as best I can uh, in faith and love. And I think that's, that's something we all can do yeah, about. and,
1: you know, I, I, I generally open the show saying this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice in being glad. And I, those aren't my words. Those are, <laughs> I'm quoting the good book. But, um, you know, that's true. Uh, if you get up in the morning, you look in the mirror, and you're still here, there's a reason. Mm-hmm. And it's a reason from God, which a means wonderful... just a good reason. Yeah,
2: let this can be Lent is a wonderful way to explore these uh, reasons and to, again, going back maybe we talked at the beginning of our uh, uh, mortality, uh, which again has uh, shouldn't be approached in a sad or morbid way it's it's just a recognition, you know it's like if you're going to retire from your job or something a year from now well, you need to be recognized that you you won't be doing this two years from now and that you have to make other plans and you have to do this and you have to do that and so on so the same thing with, with our lives, uh, just see that, you know, whether you're 40 now or 70 now or 90 now, just to uh, recognize it's a gift, that life is a gift from God, and I need to use it well. And again, that Lent is a, uh, a wonderful uh, opportunity to sort of uh, straighten up and, you know, just uh, seriously look at who am I, where am I going, what's this world all around, about, you know, and I think the placing of the ashes in our head is what a wonderful Catholic custom it is in a Catholic way, and uh, if you march up there and get ashes on your head, as you did on uh, Ash Wednesday, well, unless you're not really with things, it surely has to be uh, a moment of recollection for you, Uh, Mm -hmm. what what, what was this about what did he say? That remember, you are just not just your sure turn. That that's me getting ashes on my head. And whether it's the pope or the bishop or whoever it is, uh, we're all called to just uh, uh, recognize that again. I keep saying, and not in a morbid way, but actually, that death is the, is the path to eternal life, and the suffering, as we know, uh, the cross is the way to salvation. It,
1: very, very beautifully put, Father. The, Correct me if I'm wrong. The ashes come from the palms from the previous Palm Sunday?
2: Indeed they do, and uh, they have been preserved carefully here at the cathedral, I know. And uh, people can bring them in, as they do in many parishes. And so uh, they're then burned and prepared. Now you can order them, of course, from various places, but certainly it's a lovely tradition in mm-hmm. some parishes anyway to uh, have uh, tell people uh, last Sunday and so on to bring them in, and then uh, they're well uh, taken care of and burned and prepared and uh, beautiful ashes. Then, uh, to, uh, you know, a great sacramental to remind us. And one of the amazing things that you'll see on Ash Wednesday. Not be even coming that often, but this can be a great uh, uh, moment for them to uh, come in. And actually, I'm looking. I always look forward to it because on uh, at, uh, where I serve a deal, we have a little opportunity where a little bit like Bishop Soto does here. Did I presume he did? I didn't
1: yeah, it the, on, on the steps at, of the county Ash
2: Wednesday, he goes out, you know, on the street and right and. God knows who's showing up there. I mean, presumably 90% of the Catholics, but you never know. There might be a few. And certainly when I do it, uh, I, I do um, uh, ashes uh, every Ash Wednesday on the flight line at Peel, mm-hmm. And then I go to another chapel, uh, and I do uh, the ashes there. And then I come back to our own uh, chapel, and then we have two masses uh, every Ash Wednesday and so on so, one in the morning, one in the evening. But it's just a wonderful thing. And uh, again, uh, it can be a moment for people who maybe aren't that involved in the faith or maybe lost track of it, but it's a step upside the head. And the same, of course, for people who are not in any religion. What is this? Why did you do that? What is the meaning of it? And not everybody, but uh, it certainly can be uh, uh, a moment of evangelization, really. Yeah,
1: it's a, as as my kids would say, a great conversation starter.
2: <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. What is, what are you doing with this on your forehead? Exactly. What happened to
0: you?
1: <laughs> well, you know, and then there's a beautiful story. It, it ended up being beautiful. It was, it was it was it was a few years ago. I remember discussing it on the air at the time. Uh, a a young boy, I'm I'm guessing seven, eight, nine years old, was going to public school in uh, the state of Utah and I I think it was just a small town in Utah probably the only elementary school in the town and and he went to school and and he had ashes on his forehead on Ash Wednesday and the the teacher told him he needed to remove them and and I'm not quite sure in what tone that was was or if the teacher thought it was a smudge and didn't understand didn't know whatever um, and, and so the boy did, and of course went home and, and probably not in, in any sense of tattling or anything, just said, you oh, I had, I had to wash them off at school. And, and so the, the school was contacted and, and said, you know, this is a, this is an important thing. And, uh. Certainly, there was no harm coming to anyone else uh, because of he had he had ashes on his forehead. There was uh, not a health concern or uh, anything else. He wasn't going to cause a riot. Uh, um, the, the the things that some school administrators will sometimes cite as to why they don't allow free speech uh, on some occasions, and, and there is some there's some precedent for that actually, you know. But but uh, um, legal precedent. But in this case, the teacher was apparently mortified at what he had done, uh, semi-innocently apparently, and apologized profusely to the family, which, which did not go to court, did not sue, did not try to collect a judgment of any kind. And the school district invited a Catholic deacon to come out to the school and administer ashes to the little boy in front of everybody else it was like it probably violated violated a few, <laughs> a few policies ah. and and the whole thing it got explained to everybody what this was it it wasn't to try to convert anybody it it just it it got explained to everybody the teacher was became educated in a way that he hadn't been before and he was very kind and generous the 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 family of course, was kind and generous and it ended up being a great moment in everybody's life, which is the way it should be
2: well, that's a wonderful story, and actually, maybe that would encourage our people uh you know I don't think we want to go out evangelizing in the sense of uh, standing on the street corner though it has its place but uh uh, in some denominations, it's well done. But certainly I think it's important for us as Catholics today to know the meaning of, uh, of what we're doing in this. Uh, you know, It's not any magic or any uh, unusual thing like that. It's uh, a wonderful action that if we understand what we're doing, I mean, it's like any other action. If you take hands with someone, that assumes that you're friends with them. If you give somebody a hug, that means you like them. And you know, smile, you're well glad to see them. So, uh, actions have meaning, and I think it's important for us in this day and age where, uh, like that teacher, though he may not be Catholic and understand it, we didn't know, but uh, on the other hand, it's important for us to be able to, uh, as St. Paul says uh, in the scripture, always be prepared to give an account for your faith. Mm -hmm. And I think that's even more needed now, Bob, than ever among our people because. Huge numbers of people uh, don't really know. Sometimes people are brought up in the Catholic faith a little bit, don't understand uh, the gestures, even why we bless ourselves, or why we genuflect, or why we this, or what, not to mention the Eucharist. And so I think this uh, could be a great time. Uh, again, not that you want to buttonhole people and say, it's Ash Wednesday and you should be getting your act together, or something like that. But where the opportunity would present itself, where somebody says to you, the supermarket, or wherever you might be, uh, hey, man, what you got on your forehead is mm-hmm. some sort of a whatever. And then you say, well, if you want to hear, I, I you want know, to know what it is? I can tell you it's a very Catholic practice, and it really means this and this and this and so on. And I think uh, moments like that could be uh, wonderful opportunities to just gently and lovingly yeah. and humbly uh,
1: evangelize. And
2: yeah, it's it's
1: a little bit Make of p- planting the seed. You know, you're, yeah. you're not going to probably baptize them on the spot, but you, mm-hmm. you, maybe you've planted a seed and they go home, and uh, with the help of the good Lord and the Holy Spirit, and you know, they say, oh, I'm going to crack open that book and read a little more here, you know, or maybe... Well, uh,
2: going back a little bit to, uh, you know, Eddie Hellesom uh, and also Edith Stein, that they uh, had to come to a knowledge of uh, God. Uh, it took time and with the help of many others and so on. So generally we don't do anything great in faith or otherwise uh, without the help of others and walking with others and so on. So I think that's a beautiful thing. And I I love the uh, fact, you know, that the Ashes and the Ash Wednesday experience we just had uh, encourages us and challenges us. And uh, by the way, I might want to say here that you know maybe you got off to a good start uh on ash wednesday and uh, obviously you went and got ashes and so on hopefully you went to mass as well because that would be the ideal to have received the ashes in the holy sacrifice of the mass but then uh maybe thursday after ash wednesday and good.
1: It's too late. It's too late. No, it's not.
2: Patrick Mahomes, the quarterback, you know, uh, you got to uh, get in there. But I love these quarterbacks because, you know, they throw an interception mm-hmm. and sometimes it leads to a score yeah. and to a touchdown. Yep. But you know what? They're able to come back and jump in the next and get the ball back and give me that ball till I get out there again. I'm going to throw this thing right this time and I'm going to get my own touchdown. And so I think that's the spirit we have to have in the face, uh, not to be dwelling on. The mistakes we made, or the dumb things we did, or uh, that we didn't do as well as we could have. But I was then. This is now, and tomorrow. Hey, tomorrow I'm going to serve the Lord more. I know what to do, and if I don't know what to do, I can easily find out by talking to my priest or deacon or whoever, and followed by Bishop Barron. Or there's a million things out there, brothers and sisters, in this Lenten time that you uh, could. Uh, uh, you know, good use so uh, all for the good of uh, making you uh, um,
1: a great Lent. Yeah, and you know, it, it's interesting. You know, we talk about uh, we were talking about the school kid in Utah, and also Bishop Soto always on the the steps of the west steps of the Capitol on uh, on the morning of Ash Wednesday, and sometimes even would do it. Uh, um, Uh, In the in 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 like at the end of work uh, at the at the courthouse or uh, at a federal building or something like that, and you'd see people rushing to get you know to get to beat the commute and all that, uh, leaving the building and they'd stop and they'd look, and many of them would come back, and uh, some uh, most of them probably Catholic, but some of them just stopping and saying what's going on here, you know, and. And you know people say well what about the separation of church and state how can a bishop be on the steps of the capitol and all that well the separation of church and state is not in the constitution it's a, it's a, it 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 really if if you go back to the founders then and and if you look at most case law it's it's really that where possible the state should aco- should accommodate the free exercise of religion should accommodate it like so if bishop soto uh, wants to be on the steps of the Capitol uh, distributing ashes is no different than somebody wanting to march with a sign to the Capitol about a particular cause, uh, uh, which we certainly allow and, 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 and encourage, you know, it's, it's, it's uh, the encouraging the free exercise of religion is, is really what this country usually is about. in Well, yeah.
2: About. And I often see our, uh, evangelical, uh, Brothers and sisters, they have all sorts of rallies here. I'm sure often walking around the capital and uh, see them on a Saturday or whatever, and they're there for an hour or two, like anybody else would be. Promote you know working on immigration or working sure. on this or the other, uh, mental health or all sorts of rallies. So that's a beautiful thing indeed, and uh, uh, that's a great thing the bishop does and uh, really going to the peripheries, as the Pope would say. So. Uh, and that's where they're, like, going back to the idea of getting your uh, ashes and then going back to work uh, wherever you are and wherever your day is. Uh, this is a beautiful way of uh, being proud of your faith and uh, being able to,
0: you know,
2: again, not to boast, as it were, that you're better than anybody else, or uh, that everybody has to do what you're doing. So that would be a good thing if they could. But uh, to explore, to share that faith. Uh, if anybody asks, and if they don't ask, I mean, at minimum, they're just going to ask, "What happened? What's that?" And then they, you say, "What is?" It? And then they just look or walk away and say, "Okay, I understand now." Oh, but on the other hand, uh, they might say, so "That's a religious uh, thing that you do, and uh, where? What is that based on?" And uh, so, and as you said earlier, about then. The Holy Spirit can lead to all sorts of uh,
1: things.
2: Uh, It's amazing how people come to a realization of God uh, in the most um, unusual ways. Uh, uh, I think one of the things, going back to uh, our dear Eddie Ellison, was uh, that one of the most profound moments in her life was uh, hitting on a garbage uh, can uh, under the trees uh, outside in her backyard, and she just had this profound experience of of the supernatural Mm -hmm. uh, in that. And uh, it's funny how God speaks to us in various ways that uh, people often ask me why I became a priest and, you know, how did God do that, or how did I know, and so on. Uh, I think one of the, the most profound spiritual experiences I had was, Rather weird, <laughs> to say the least. Was I was uh, I had finished a long day of working out in the oats field, <laughs> and we had stacked up many uh, stacks of oats uh, that we had mowed, and so on. And I was tired, uh, leaning up against uh, one of these uh, oats stacks and looking up at the sky, and I saw two uh, crows of all things. <laughs> two crows are flying off uh, into the sunset. And it just uh, like a little bit like Eddie Hillsom. It sort of I'm thinking myself, what is the meaning of those scrolls? Where mm-hmm. are they going? Mm-hmm. What is life all about? What is creation? You know, how is God involved with their life and the creation and the the sunset that was coming and the oats that we had just uh, cut and so on? And it it actually may seem very strange, but it was almost the uh, i say it was the most explicit uh, opening of my life to God. Uh, I must have been maybe 16 or 17 or so at the time. But again, just you think of two crows flying into the sunset. What value would that be? Mm-hmm. But again, people can be touched by the various things. Obviously, we know people are touched by uh, the birth of a child or, you know, a beautiful sunset or the waves of the ocean or whatever. But I would think that um, we always need to be open for to uh, deepen our faith and then share it again when the opportunity presents itself, as it will, if we are open and ready.
1: Father, you know, Ash Wednesday is, uh, you know, the ashes is not a sacrament. Ash Wednesday is not a holy day of obligation. and yet, But you rightly say it, it, it rivals Easter, it rivals Christmas in terms of the turnout of people and and the 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 meaning of it. Where, where does where does this the the tradition of the ashes? Where did that come from?
2: Well, I was, again, as part of the sacramental, the, the sacraments of the church. Mm-hmm. And one of the great lessons of the church is that we're able to take the you know natural things and uh, use them uh, to. Uh, touch people's lives, and when you were talking a minute ago, I was just thinking that, um you know, people are, the ordinary people have a way of grasping things that sometimes we mightn't always realize, and, and they know, uh, you know, like apparitions to uh, Guadalupe or Lourdes or anything like that, you know, while they're not actually, you know, on the same par as the Eucharist or whatever, People love pilgrimages, and so I think with the ashes there, it's just maybe sort of a little slap in the face. Or it just is so powerful a uh, an action that to have this uh, ashes on your on your face and the beautiful words, "Remember that you are dust and unto dust return. Repent and believe in the gospel." That uh, I think that's why they, the ordinary guy who maybe isn't educated or isn't anything you know in a way uh maybe in the eyes of the world but he can grasp that this is a serious thing mm-hmm. and god is i'm not going to be here forever and so i think the idea of dying and rising and so on is that uh, that was the church's reason for putting it together
1: mm-hmm. well it's it's profound that's for sure i i i remember when i was a uh... A uh, young boy going to public school in a small town in California, Northern California. That um, it was all about what you give up for Lent, you know, mm-hmm. and and there were there were only a handful of of uh, us in uh, in school that were Catholics. Um, you know, my, my buddy Peter Schultz and Betty O'Brien and. Uh, a few other irish catholics and uh, and and but all of our classmates our friends they were fascinated with with the idea of lent and what were we giving up and i, and I remember my dad telling me they're going to watch you they're going to your, your friends they're going they're going they're going to see if you really are serious about this and it was ne- it was never hostile or mocking or Uh, if there was any teasing it was it was friendly you know it wasn't there wasn't anything detrimental about it but he was right you know they they uh and this is before you know well every friday we didn't we didn't have meat and and i know for darn sure in the school cafeteria my friends were watching you know they were having hot dogs and i was having you know a tuna sandwich Mm-hmm. and they were they were watching to see how how uh how serious you were about your faith and i'm sure it made some of them curious about the faith and and you know we we probably weren't brave enough to to do a lot of sharing but we certainly when when we got asked we'd we'd explain what 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 it was all about as as best as we could as as seven or eight or nine six year olds uh, can, but it was all about giving something up. Now, much much more of of Lent is is about doing and and alms giving and penance. And uh, wouldn't you say?
2: Yeah, I think that's uh, and that's wonderful. But I suppose we could uh, certainly we we'll want to look at the things that we need to give up, uh, whether it's. Uh, you know, meat or, well, obviously we have the restrictions. Uh, right. We have the rules for length. But,
1: the fasting but and but abstinence. Other things, yeah. you
2: know, uh, could you or could anybody and think of things that I do that annoy people? Again, I think we could uh, give up impatience. We could give up uh, irritability. We could give up uh, judging. We could give up, uh, you know, look at ourselves in regard to racism or anything like that. And I think also Lent is a a great time for atonement. We're Mm -hmm. called to look at ourselves and to examine our conscience and to look at our past misdeeds uh, and to uh, try to be honest with ourselves. Uh, Again, that sort of ties in with the concept of the ashes and dying. I want to die to the old self and become a new self, uh, an examination of conscience. That's why I know in many parishes, but especially out at St. Uh, Clair's in, uh-huh. um, in Roseville.
0: Right.
2: It's a sight to behold because uh, they have uh, a uh, large congregation there, but sure. for some particular reason, the tradition has got going there, and it's a fairly new parish, but uh, I generally help out there, and we sit down at 6.30, uh, we get going at 6.30 in the church, which is damn full, cool, and there's generally 14 or 15 or more. Ideally, we, we need 20 or we need more 20 uh, priests. And I often haven't got out there, and I'm, I think all the others are spent there, too, until 9.30, a quarter to 10.
1: And this is, this is confession.
2: This is a reconciliation. Reconciliation, right. The pastor there gets up and gives a nice little right. presentation. It's not very long, 15, 20 minutes, mm-hmm. a couple of songs and readings and a little homily from Father George. And then uh, the uh, he uh, says Father A is here and Father B is there and Father C is right. there and he points us to our places and we go and the folks start coming and they're coming fast and furious from <laughs> I've, that I've, until I've, I've,
1: been, I've that been there point. in my home parish when that happens yeah
2: mm-hmm. yeah so that's a wonderful thing to again look at ourselves and uh, what a great uh, renewal that would be uh, to see how we can uh, grow in the Lord, and so on. Uh, We might also, during this uh, Lenten time, uh, (laughs) look at our surroundings, and see what's happening in the world, and how do we participate, and how do we, in a sense, make atonement for the sins of uh, all humanity. Uh, I think that was one of the great things about uh, Ellie Hillisum and uh, Edith Stein. They chose to be there, you know. They could have got away, Uh, but they chose to be... They kept saying... That they wanted to be with their jewish people Mm -hmm. they wanted to serve with their die or live with their jewish people and die with them and in a sense therefore be loyal to them and you could use that a little bit for ourselves as catholics uh, christians and so on that uh, we're all in this together and therefore we need to ask ourselves uh, how can i be a source of uh, blessing encouragement faith love uh, charity and so on uh, Breaking habits like of apathy or indifference, and uh, the whole culture that we live in. Uh, how can we, uh, you know, speak out for those things that are important and stand tall and stuff. Uh, so, and dealing with, you know, the pain of the church, the pain of the society, uh, as many challenges we face both in church and society. Uh, and uh, Lent could be a, a blessed time to. Uh, uh, see uh, what can I do to
0: be faithful Catholic uh, and be a
1: blessing for the world. Amen. <laughs> yeah, uh, for sure. You know, it's it's uh, it's a, it's a profound time the the forty days, and we you know, there's always this this argument. Well, is 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 Sunday a day in Lent? Uh, you know it doesn't it, i guess it doesn't really matter to me if it if it is or it isn't you know it's all it's all part of the if 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 you uh it's all part of uh, from ash wednesday to to easter sunday or or good friday or whenever uh you know holy saturday uh the that you know at the conclusion of lent the holy week um it is so profound uh you know the the last supper the, the you know the holy thursday uh in the evening especially uh good friday uh, uh all day but uh, again to from from noon to 3 and, and, and generally uh stations of the cross um not always for but but if if you're of the mind uh stations of the cross at some point on good friday um i i remember a good friday uh, I had to be up the valley by by dinner time, and and I had my f- four young kids, probably four, five, six, and seven years old. They're all very they're all a year apart, and I, I think the oldest was about seven, and the youngest was about four, three or four, and and so we're driving up the valley between twelve and three, and I had called a parish up there to see if they were going to have the church open. And they said, yes, in, uh, in Maxwell, which is a very small town and, uh, Mm -hmm. about, you know, you, uh, you're very familiar with it for sure. You, you, you can, you can drive I five blindfolded, I'm sure. (laughs) But, uh, uh, you you say, go straight, (laughs) but, uh, but, uh, you know, really a historic church, uh, on the, on the edge of town. And, and we got there about just about quarter to three, and there were no cars, nothing. You know, it was a small town. And I thought, well, maybe maybe they all walked, you know. And and went up to the to the door of the church, and it was just slightly ajar. And opened the opened the door and walked in, and there was not a soul in there. And then somebody came out from a side door up by the altar. Uh, a, a woman who was had been cleaning up and she said, Oh you know, we, we stop at two or something like that. And uh um, and she said, But you're welcome you're welcome to come in and just close the door behind you. And uh, when when you leave and I, I said, Thank you and I went out there with my kids and you think you know, you think the the fourteen stations of the cross and Jesus falling and the uh, the The whole thing would be would be too much for kids. It would just be too much at that age, and yet they, it, it was it was like one one of those uh, those miracles that you just go thank you Lord. They went, and because there was nobody there, we could literally walk from station to station. You know, from 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 each one, and and I could read it to them, or maybe the seven year old would read it. Uh, those that were capable liked to read it, and. And, and they would have these why why is this going on? Why is Jesus carrying that cross? Why is he falling down? Who are these people that are that are accompanying him? And it was it's the most prof- to, to this day the most profound stations of the cross I've ever participated in. and, and I was mostly a spectator with watching my kids participate in this and it, it uh, I think it has left a mark with them that they'll carry you with them for the rest of their lives too.
2: Well, you're a blessed man and you a blessed family to do that. Uh, Bob. And again, I think more even now than 20 years ago or 10 years ago, that is sorely needed in our uh, society and our kids because I well, know they get so many other country things to that. And so I think what we need to be doing is to uh, do offering those uh, opportunities to them. And, and not at all to assume that, like you say, they won't want it because you know people are people and they're smart and they sort of instinctively know the right thing and the beautiful thing. You know, we were talking about Holy Week there um, a little bit earlier in the conversation, and I'd like just to share three beautiful things that uh, from a couple of the days of Holy Week that. Uh, and again, if you have if you're not doing that well in Lent now, and you have a you get doing, and then you fall down, and then you do more, and then you fall down. Well, keep an eye for Holy Week, especially, Mm -hmm. uh, even if you've not done that well the rest of Lent. But in regard to uh, the Holy Wednesday uh, of uh, that um, Holy Week, uh, St. Teresa, St. Elizabeth Ann Seton said a beautiful thing. She said, look up towards eternity, and do not lose a moment of this time of grace and benediction. For laying up your heavenly treasure.
0: Hmm.
2: Every moment of your patience and submission in this hard trial of life will be a triumph for you hereafter. O oh, joyful thought, is now to our Jesus, our Jesus. And in Good Friday, she offered a beautiful meditation offer up all your pains, your sorrows to God, that He will unite them with the sorrows, the pangs, the anguish which our adored Redeemer bore for us on the cross, place yourself in spirit at the foot of the cross. He knows all our weakness and the failings of our hearts and has himself declared that he will never forsake the soul who confides in his name. Mm -hmm. And for Holy Saturday, the quiet day, she said, O my Savior, while the pilgrimage of this life must still go on to fulfill your gracious purpose, Let the spirit of my mind follow you to thy mansions of glory. To thee alone it belongs. Receive it in mercy, perfect it in truth, and preserve it unspotted from the world. I thought it would be useful to share those little things with you from the great St. Elizabeth Ann Seton and with our listeners. And there's all sorts of things, brothers and sisters, you can find uh, on uh, many, many beautiful Catholic online presentations. And if you get into that, um, uh, your whole life will be blessed and changed.
1: Yeah. One of our one of our American saints, St. Saint Elizabeth Ann Seton.
2: Indeed. A marvelous woman. Uh, whose life was enormously difficult. Mm-hmm. But that's the beauty of it uh, for our people, uh, Bob, that, uh, you know, it's... It, not because life has to be easy or comfy or cozy, Uh, that can be a bit of a problem. Not that we go searching out suffering, but that by the joining with Christ, we take it when it comes to us and find uh, meaning and blessing in it, as obviously the martyrs did, the saints did, and people in every generation have uh, found uh, Christ in the pain of life
1: as well as in the joy. You know, it's interesting. the The other day, I had a. Uh, I think it was. I think it was just prior to the Super Bowl, and there was, there was, a, a college basketball game, a women's college basketball game in Villanova, uh, Jesuit School in Philadelphia, and the, the, they were they were playing, and and one of the players on the Villanova team. Current team broke the all-time scoring record for career uh, points scored at Villanova, and and so they're recounting the story, and just here on a sports channel like ESPN, and and they said that and, and they said and the previous record was held by so and so, and she came to the game to watch her record be broken. And and you go oh you what and she probably I think her record was set at like 1992 so about 30 years ago so you figure she must be a woman of about 50, and and they said she's now a cloistered nun, and she went up to the player before the game and said, uh, "I sure hope you broke you break my record," and she said. It doesn't it's like it was she didn't say it in a in a in a meaningless way. She, but she said it's it, it doesn't mean anything to me to be that to, to be the most points ever scored in Villanova. <laughs> she says she says where I am now, she says, I have everything I need. And, and this was this story was told, you know, on a sports channel.
2: Well, you know, you often wonder, uh, I guess it'll never change, but certainly when you see all the craziness that goes on in the world of trying to one-upmanship and all these other things, and I got a bigger car than you, mm-hmm. and all oh, this and so on and so on, I'm better, and I got more money, and I got this and I got that, you know, and obviously people are not finding satisfaction in that, but they keep running after those uh, silly things, and uh, whereas you said this woman who ended up in the cloister and uh, so on, and that's been the experience, um, you know, throughout history of the saints, uh, St. Ignatius, who was this great general and then got injured, and one thing led to another, and then he became the great saint. So, Mm -hmm. uh, hopefully, maybe not everybody, but certainly uh, everybody's open to it, and God has wants everybody to, as the scripture says, to know Jesus Christ and him who he has sent and to come through salvation and so on. But uh, one hopes that that experience like that lady had at Villanova uh, would strike more people and that, you know, the truth is in your uh, in God, in your relationships, in your family, um, and in doing the right thing and being an honorable person and all that. And... Um, you know, again, that famous statement that we have that no one ever said on his deathbed, I wish I had spent more time at the office.
1: That's, that's for sure. That's for, I wish, as they're dying, I wish I had more money in the bank or whatever. I wish I had a bigger car. Yep. Yeah. Yep.
0: But I wish I had
2: spent more time with God and with my uh, uh, family. And uh, then there's the great story of Cardinal Woolsey, the English cardinal, who, sort of sold his soul to the king, and eventually the king, uh, he couldn't please the king the way he wanted, so he threw him in jail. And the cardinal said, if I had loved my God as much as I loved the king, hmm. I would not be in this state. Hmm. So, and so, but we can all get sort of fooled into uh, the things that are not important. And uh, But I, I think there's, There's always a number of people that seem to be uh, able to, in every generation, to come to that realization that that the things of the world are not enough. And this again can bring us, The Lent can be that wonderful time because it deals with readings, you know, in church and, and, of course, the death of Christ and so on. I mean...
1: Exactly. So, Boy, uh, that, that, that's that, profound. we all that
2: for the we can be raised.
1: Father, we, we're flat out of time here. I so appreciate the time you've taken with us and uh, appreciate all you do. And I uh, wish you a, a blessed and holy Lent. I'm sure it will be. And uh, I hope our paths cross again very soon.
2: Well, God bless you and all your uh, listeners and all you do to promote faith. Uh, blessed, holy, and uh, deeply really spiritual uh,
1: rest of the Lent to all of us. Uh, thanks so much, Father. God bless you too. That's uh, Father thanks. Michael Kiernan, uh, and he's he's uh, uh, been a pastor at many places. Uh, in residence at the cathedral, but he is also the chaplain at Beale Air Force Base, uh, up up uh, near the US city Marysville area, and. Uh, Uh, He's been the chaplain there for for a number of years now and uh, really, really, uh, really happy to have him up there as well. That's going to do it for us for today. Thanks for listening. God bless. We'll talk with you again soon. We'd like to thank all the wonderful people and organizations, uh, businesses in town.
0: I it.